You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. Those stories in just a moment. But first, some breaking news. A serious crash involving a school bus. It happened near Enderby. Highway 97C is closed in both directions, seven kilometers south of Enderby. The bus apparently rear-ended by a blue SUV. Another vehicle, a pickup, slammed into a power pole. Emergency responders telling Global News five people have been transported to hospital, one of those in critical condition. Now, the stretch of road is Expected to be close until about 11 o'clock tonight. If you are heading out on that stretch, you're best to check with Drive BC. Now it's Christmas for footballers. Today, Canada won the vote to co-host the 2026 FIFA World Cup of Soccer with the U.S. and Mexico. Ted Chernecki has reaction and the bittersweet reality for local fans. <laughs> Pubs and sports bars everywhere are putting up the final touches on World Cup decor. The pint is always a happening place when championships are on the line. And we're expecting massive crowds. We're already, our rezo book is full and uh, yeah, we're excited. In a multicultural city like Vancouver, the world's largest sporting event by far is big news. And the chance to co-host doesn't come along very often, making today's announcement somewhat bittersweet. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yes, it's extremely disappointing that Vancouver won't be um, one of the, the, the host uh, venues. In March, the NDP announced Vancouver was pulling out of the bid, as did Chicago and Minneapolis, citing the potential for huge cost overruns, especially when it comes to security. FIFA's ability to unilaterally change the contract at any point uh, at an unknown cost is not acceptable to the people of British Columbia. So you don't pull the pull the trigger on this thing before you actually have these conversations. British Columbians have always thought big. Expo 86 wasn't supposed to happen. We got it done. 2010 Olympics, we got it done. FIFA World Cup, we got it done for women. We got it done at the end of the day. Vancouver may be out, but there's still hope in Victoria, where there's a move afoot to become a practice facility for one of the teams. The math is pretty good on this. We actually have a legitimate shot of hosting a team-based camp in Greater Victoria. The World Cup is actually growing in stature. There could be as many as 48 countries participating in 2026, a FIFA first. Critics of BC's decision to pull out say Vancouver might have hosted only two or three matches, thereby mitigating the risk of cost overruns. Ted Chernacki, Global News. All right, Keith Baldry joins us with more on the economic details. So, Keith, did we lose big here or did we prevent a huge loss? Well, I guess it's one of those glass half empty, half full scenarios. And so basically $120 million was the estimated economic uh, generation figure, uh, a not insubstantial uh, figure. But look at what FIFA wants from BC Stadium. First, a brand new a natural grass field to be installed. And not only that, plus another one uh, right next door is a backup. Also a drainage facility to drain that natural grass. Also on top of that, a new power system, an independent power system as to serve as a backup in case the regular one goes out. Also, exclusive access to BC Place for more than two months, which means no Vancouver Whitecaps or BC Lions games there for an extended period of time. And finally, the unilateral ability uh, to uh, reopen this agreement and add anything FIFA wants. And it doesn't matter what the cost is. So you add it all up, I think the argument can be made, and I'm a big World Cup fan and soccer fan, that the exposure to the taxpayer here was substantial and unknown because FIFA basically wanted that proverbial blank check. And. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Keith Baldry in Victoria tonight.
RCMP asking for the public's help locating an inmate of the Fraser Regional Correctional Center. 42-year-old Michael Lund walked away from an off-site work detail. He was last seen in the area of Southgate Road and Airport Way. At the time, he was wearing correctional clothing, a red shirt, red pants, and red jacket. He is serving a 12-month sentence for property-related crimes. If you've seen Lund, you're asked to call 911 immediately. A rally is getting underway in Surrey tonight where members of the community are calling for action to stop the violence. It comes after the recent murders of two teens. Romina Dea joins us with more on this. And Romina, what do those in attendance want to see? Essentially, two words, Jay, wake up. That's the motivation behind this rally. That's why so many people have come out. Community members are sick and tired of seeing the bodies of young men piling up in Surrey. They want action from parents, politicians, and police. They're saying that parents need to be more engaged. They're saying that the schools need to be more involved. They're saying that they need more police in this rapidly going community. And maybe the community would actually be better served by local police and not RCMP. Now, IHIT says that investigators have been working non-stop since the bodies of 16-year-old Jason Jetty and 17-year-old Jesse Bangal were found by the side of the road in Surrey last week. The teens were shot to death. And while family members and friends are persistent that the shooter got the wrong guys, IHIT says even though the teens were not known to police, investigators believe this was a targeted shooting, not a case of mistaken identity. Organizers say the deaths of these kids has to be a catalyst for change. It's a waking up parents, waking up police, waking up politicians, our council and mayor. Uh, that the things are not right. Uh, in the last 20 years we have seen uh, the gangsters getting killed, uh, ages of what, 23, uh, 25, 27, and 30 plus. And now it comes, we see sorry, uh, the kids getting killed at the age of 16 and 17. That's why it's important that the, uh, the province is working uh, with local government who have responsibility for policing, but also uh, the education system, school districts, uh, to put in place uh, education and prevention programs, as well as uh, enforcement programs, uh, so that one, parents uh, have tools that, that can assist them in terms of determining whether or not uh, their kids are at risk, that there is in the community for effective uh, uh, education and prevention programs, and that we have the enforcement tools needed to go after uh, people who are engaged uh, in, in gang violence and the drug trade. So organizers are saying that there is still time for people to come down here. Hundreds have gathered. They're going to get underway in the next few minutes. As far as the investigation goes, IHIT says they are still looking for people to come forward who have information. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Romina. Romina Day in Surrey for us tonight. The jury at, a, jury, rather, at a coroner's inquest into the death of Lisa Dudley killed in a targeted attack in Mission in 2008 is now tasked with deciding if recommendations are needed to prevent a repeat of the tragedy. A police officer dispatched to the area at the time never got out of his patrol car and did not talk to the man who made the 911 call. Dudley died four days later, shortly after being found by a neighbor. Nadia Stewart has more on what Dudley's family is hoping will come out of this. Nadia. Well, they're frustrated it has taken this long, but they're also unsure of what the implications of this inquiry could be, especially since this is not the end for them. Now, today we heard from the final witnesses, a pathologist who provided details on Lisa Dudley's injuries and her slow death after she was shot in the head and neck on September 18, 2008. 
We also heard from policy experts within the RCMP and Ministry of Policing and Security. Both discussed the impact this incident did or did not have in terms of affecting some kind of policy change. But for the family of Lisa Dudley, there is still sadness and disappointment. It took this long for an inquiry to be held. It isn't over yet for them. And we hopefully can get to the Supreme Court in Ottawa and set precedent in getting a declaration that, that Lisa uh, was denied her charter rights. Now, the charter, you don't get any higher than that as far as rights go for every Canadian citizen. For now, everything has been handed over to the jury as they deliberate, deciding whether or not recommendations need to be made. Back to you. Nadia Stewart reporting tonight. Vancouver police are warning the public after a third reported virtual kidnapping this year. The elaborate extortion schemes have cost victims hundreds of thousands of dollars. The woman was convinced that she was implicated in a money laundering scheme in China and she was required to transfer Chinese funds for police and for court costs. We have five investigations, two are attempted and three have actually been completed. Um, Out of these cases, we have investigators assigned from a major crime section and they are liaising and working with Chinese officials and Chinese authorities. Uh, They're working with the Chinese police forces right now to try and determine who's responsible for these crimes. Lynn Valley residents forced from their homes by fire are hoping to learn more tonight about what their future holds. Seventy people are permanently displaced after fire ripped through Mountain Village Garden Apartments, killing one woman and her young son. Grace Key is live outside a meeting aimed at helping those residents. Grace. Yeah, that meeting is just getting underway now here behind me at the Karen Magnuson Recreation Centre. So the building that did catch on fire, there were about 17 units inside. So all the evacuees are going to be meeting here. Uh, It's to ensure those who are directly impacted by the fire get the support and services that they need. So North Shore Emergency Management, the District of North Vancouver, Fire, RCMP, Red Cross and other community organizations will all be here on hand. Now, as for the cause of the fire, that is still under investigation. Today, that building is uh, just behind blue fence. There's security there as well. So a structural engineer needs to ensure that the building is stable enough for investigators to go back in. So again, that meeting uh, taking place right now for some of the residents there just to uh, help them with any support and services that they may need. Jay? All right. Thank you, Grace. Grace Key reporting for us tonight. Well, it has happened again. For the second time in as many days, an overheight truck has slammed into and damaged an overpass. This time, the incident happened just before noontime outside of Victoria in the community of View Royal. The pedestrian overpass, measuring more than five meters, suffered what's being called significant structural damage after this truck's boom came into contact with it. The overpass remains closed as engineers assess the rails, but because there's no threat of it coming down, traffic is still moving through the area. The incident, of course, is still under investigation. Police are on scene, of course. Uh, CVSE, WorkSafe, and uh, Ministry of Highways is here as well. We don't know whether the boom was not put down or came up. Police and WorkSafe are investigating that. Unfortunately, the, two, the uh, fuel tank was compromised, and we're controlling that leak. There was no leak into the drains. And, uh, you know, the good news part of this story is nobody's hurt. 
From Nanaimo MLA to Mayor Leonard Krogh making it official late today, revealing his political intentions. Our reporter Richard Zussman at the official kickoff of the campaign. And Richard, you spoke with Krogh one-on-one earlier today. Um, I want to know what's his motivation and what are the implications here? Yeah, and he described this announcement today as the worst-kept secret in B.C. politics. He said he'd been asked by so many people that are in this room tonight and across the Naimo to run for mayor, but there are some serious implications to the provincial government in terms of announcing that he's going to run for mayor. Krogh saying today that if he wins, he's going to step down as an MLA. That would trigger a by-election. And because of the setup in the legislature right now, if the Liberals win that by-election, it would mean they have 43 MLAs, the NDP have 40, and the Greens, three. That's a deadlock legislature would require the Speaker uh, to break all the ties. Krogh, though, says he's very confident the NDP would win that by-election and doesn't believe that this is a major issue for the future of the government. I'm almost amused by the amount of press coverage that would indicate the sky is falling. I had no idea there were so many chicken littles in British Columbia. Krogh says that he's going to keep being paid as an MLA until the official campaign begins at the end of September, and then will forego his check until Election Day, and then he says if he wins, he'll resign at that point. And in terms of when the by-election will be, though, the Premier will have six months to call it from the date that Krogh does resign if he wins the Nanaimo mayor's job. Interesting times for sure. Thank you very much, Richard. Richard Zussman reporting in Nanaimo tonight. The controversy over Metro Vancouver cab drivers refusing some fares has a new high-profile face. As John Wall reports, celebrity designer Gillian Harris has taken to social media to complain that a taxi refused to take her where she wanted to go, despite the fact she's pregnant. Just another awesome day on Love Realistic Set. Gillian Harris is best known for getting people to fall back in love with their homes. So we got a cab to set. Bel Air cabs. But the interior designer and television host took to social media to say the taxi industry in Metro Vancouver might be beyond fixing up. They refused to take me into Vancouver because he just said it's too far. And I was like, he goes, I'll take you to the train station. I'm like, I'm not, I called the cab. Harris, who is pregnant, says it happened in Port Moody at around 4.15 Tuesday afternoon. It could be dangerous if you don't let pick people up or if you refuse people or in my case I was in the cab and he kicked me out. Our company is focused on the client. A representative from Bel Air Taxi couldn't speak about the incident because there was no official complaint but said drivers aren't allowed to refuse fares. We've heard repeatedly of issues related to them not uh, putting their uh, wheelchair accessible cabs on the road, uh, not taking fares from Coquitlam to Vancouver. From a Coquitlam cab company that should that's outrageous. Coquitlam's mayor, not the only one to hear about the taxi troubles. Drivers wouldn't take them places just because of distance. She pawned the park Coquitlam taxis, they didn't take her. Sorry, but no, that's just not, like, that's not right. I can't believe the amount of stories that I'm getting about the about cab cabs refusing people, cabs making people walk. Both Harris and Coquitlam's mayor say it's time for an alternative. Yeah. Coquitlam taxis can't do it, then I want some other solution and and the ride share is long overdue. With more than 800,000 followers on Instagram, we're Bel Air, that's not cool. <laughs> Jillian Harris's love loss for BC taxis, doing little to beautify the battered industry. John Hua, Global News. 
If you are driving around Vancouver this weekend, you might want to stay away from a few major routes. The Lionsgate Bridge will have some lane closures at different times throughout the weekend, mostly during low-volume hours to allow crews to remove steel plates that were in place for repairs. It's suggested drivers use the Iron Workers Memorial instead. Elsewhere, Broadway will be completely or partially closed between Commercial and Victoria Drive from Friday night to Sunday morning and again overnight on Monday for road and sidewalk repairs. And the gas line upgrades continue on East First Avenue from Nanaimo to Rupert with one lane closed in each direction until the end of July and then full closures on other parts of First until the end of August. More on these closures on our website at globalnews.ca slash bc. It's nice that he showed up, but after a month. Premier John Horgan paid a visit today to the dozens of Grand Forks residents who still can't go home after being hit by flooding and announced an extension of emergency social services payments. We're putting in place a program that will extend for three months, 90 days. Uh, We're going to redo it every 30 days, but it'll up to uh, the next three months uh, to put a couple of thousand dollars available for transition housing and any other needs that residents may have, whether they were homeowners or or they were renters. Morgan says the money works out to about $2,800 a month per affected resident. A surprise for drivers in Kelowna over the weekend, courtesy of the RCMP. That's right. They thought they were in trouble when they were pulled over, but soon discovered they were part of an experiment. Global Okanagan's Claudia Van Emmerich explains. It's here in this Kelowna parking lot near the corner of Dilworth Drive and Highway 97, where this past Saturday, drivers were randomly being pulled over and asked to voluntarily take part in a roadside survey that involved a mouth swab. It's all part of the province's preparation for legal marijuana this summer and finding the right method to determine if drivers are impaired by drugs. The survey station looked similar to this, a counter-attack roadblock. And while RCMP members were pulling people over, it was technicians working for the Ministry of Public Safety and Solicitor General who were actually conducting the roadside saliva testing. The provincial government is emphasizing that this is not an enforcement operation, that it is completely voluntary and that drivers are not required to participate. Its goal is to, quote, establish a baseline for measurement of the effects of cannabis legalization. We know that uh, once recreational pot uh, becomes legal, uh, the issue of drug-impaired driving is going to be there, just as it is now. Um, you know, there's, there's drug-impaired drivers on the road today. There will be drug-impaired drivers on the road in the future. Uh, there will be new technology that will be mandated by the, uh, the federal government. Uh, Bill C-46 uh, deals with that issue. And what we're doing is establishing a baseline ahead of that so that uh, we are prepared for when that legislation uh, is passed, uh, that we know what kind of equipment and technology we're going to be dealing with in terms of, uh, uh, of, roadside, uh, of roadside checks. Uh, and that's what's taking place. Now, Kelowna is one of five cities across the province where this roadside survey is taking place during the months of May and June. This is not the first time the province has done this. The last time was in 2010 and 2012. As for whether any more of these roadside surveys will be taking place here in the Okanagan or what other cities are involved, the province will not say. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, Kelowna. It's only June, but the wildfire situation in the western U.S. is already at a level not usually seen until midsummer. Nearly two dozen fires are burning through several states, forcing thousands of evacuations and destroying homes. 
from California to Colorado. Tonight, this is what firefighters face and fear. 21 large uncontained wildfires ripping across the West. The so-called 416 fire in Durango burning nearly two weeks now with plenty of fuel in its path. It's like uh, a really slow monster chasing you in a dream. You know it's coming, but you don't know really when to run. Tonight, thousands are evacuated and hundreds of homes are threatened. That uh, fire just exploded and it created a vortex which was throwing flames down the mountain, which then went up the mountain all at the same time, and it, it, it was scary. In Utah, where the Trail Mountain fire is raging, flames are compromising a water supply. Near Moab, eight homes are now gone. In Beverly Hills, disaster averted. This explosive blaze threatened glitzy hillside homes, difficult to reach and easy to lose. It's very complex, heavy brush. These areas have not been burned for many, many years. Tonight, conditions are ripe for disaster as crews face multiple firestorms. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. The FBI agent who was allegedly caught on video accidentally shooting a man while dancing in a Colorado nightclub appeared in court today. 29-year-old Chase Bishop turned himself in yesterday in Denver and was formally charged today with second-degree assault. Earlier this month, a video went viral showing Bishop allegedly dancing and then doing a backflip during which his pistol dropped from his waistband and landed on the floor. As he reached for it, the gun went off, hitting a man in the leg. Bishop could also be facing additional charges depending on the results of a blood alcohol test. Yet another twist tonight in the investigation into possible collusion between the Donald Trump campaign and Russia. Word that Trump's former personal lawyer has split with his legal team is raising speculation he might be ready to cooperate with federal prosecutors. Is Michael Cohen ready to cooperate with federal investigators? That's the question looming over the White House tonight. After ABC News reported Cohen, the president's longtime fixer and personal attorney, is likely to strike a deal with prosecutors. So far, Cohen hasn't been charged, and several sources familiar with the matter tell NBC News Cohen has not even spoken with prosecutors. Still adding fuel, Cohen is looking to shake up his legal team, according to sources close to the situation. It comes as prosecutors are pouring over documents they seized from Cohen's office and residences in a dramatic April FBI raid. Federal Investigators in New York are focusing on Cohen's business dealings, including that $130,000 payment to porn star Stormy Daniels just before the 2016 election. Michael Cohen should absolutely be concerned about being charged. The FBI executed a search warrant on uh, his residence and his office. Uh, they don't do that lightly, and they, do, they don't do that without cause. The Cohen case came out of Robert Mueller's Russia probe, who referred it to investigators in New York. That April raid sparking fury from President Trump. It's frankly a real disgrace. It's a, an attack on our country in a true sense. It's an attack on what we all stand for. Mr. Trump later tweeting, most people will flip if the government lets them out of trouble. Sorry, I don't see Michael doing that. The danger to the president is that Mr. Cohn, if he cooperates, will be required to cooperate broadly. He'll have to tell everything he knows to anyone who asks. In Health Matters tonight, a new report has some sobering news about a cancer many don't want to talk about. The Canadian Cancer Society says despite screening programs, nearly half of colorectal cancers aren't found until after they've already spread. Linda Aylesworth reports. 
the pecan, the chocolate pecan, the chiffon. Eight years ago, Chef Wayne Sitch got some news that rocked his busy world. It's definitely a, a shock um, when, you're re- when you're told that you have cancer. He had colorectal cancer, the second leading cause of cancer death in Canada. First, he underwent surgery. Because it was stage three, I had to do chemotherapy, so I did eight rounds of chemo. Had Wayne been diagnosed earlier, the treatment might not have been so harsh and drawn out. In an effort to increase early diagnosis in this province, the government initiated a screening program in 2013. It's for people who are 50 to 74 years of age, and and people can access it through their health care provider. The program is built around this, the Fecal Immunochemical Test, or FIT. You can do it in the comfort of your own washroom. So it does mean that people have to do a test of, of their poop, and people don't always like to do that, but it's really important, and it's very simple. Five years after colorectal cancer screening was introduced in this province, the Canadian Cancer Society conducted a study to see if it was achieving its goal. The findings? It seems not enough people are getting screened. About half of colorectal cancers are detected at a later stage. Um, And we know that if it was detected earlier, we'd have much better survival rates. When diagnosed early at stage one, the survival rate is 90%, compared to just 15% at stage four, which makes Wayne a very lucky man. Today, he's cancer-free. His advice? Even if you don't have symptoms, I, I think it's important to just go about the screening process at 50 um, it's just, it's super easy and it's worth it. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, he's become an unexpected international internet sensation for his high altitude acrobatics. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Look, he's looking at us. After the forecast, a daredevil raccoon that climbed a Minneapolis office tower will show you how the knuckle-biting drama ended. Oh, the suspense. He just kept going up. He wouldn't stop. It's very, uh, very gripping. Quite a story. Yeah. I'm okay. hearing third eye blind in my, in my oh. head. You would step out of my eye. I like it. Nice reference. Yeah, so cute. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll see what happens later on. Yeah. Let's talk about your weather situation. Hey, we've been impacted by a pretty intense low-pressure system that moved in from the Pacific, and we had variable weather. It's almost hard to believe that we had such intense weather in Metro Vancouver, looking at this beautiful site right now. Uh, but earlier, take a look at what we saw in Surrey. Some very heavy downpours, extreme in some places. Embedded in that was the hail. You can see that there. Uh, Very strong winds, lightning strikes, thunder. We saw it all through this general area. And this convective cell was sitting over Surrey for some time. So people were really tweeting out all sorts of pictures and saying, oh my goodness, big severe thunderstorm happening. Uh, And then look at what we also saw. Sorry about that. It's 17 degrees at this hour. Uh, But this came out. This has been circulating all over social media. Uh, I spoke to Environment Canada. They cannot confirm that this was a funnel cloud, but it looks like it's a funnel cloud in the making. Still 
Um, very severe weather, uh, nonetheless, and of course, this spawns from very strong thunderstorms. And we continue to watch them right across our radar returns across the province to the south, to the central part of the province, as well as the Fraser Valley. And the risk continues through the evening and the overnight, and even another round of potential thunderstorms tomorrow afternoon. So areas highlighted in yellow, you all do have the risk of seeing some very active weather yet again tomorrow. However, I don't think it's going to be as severe tomorrow because the bulk of the system, the main system, it will have passed by then. So this is all in the wake of the system that it's going to be a little on the um, on the thunder showery side. We will be seeing the showers. You still see it on our future cast for tomorrow. And then it eventually breaks up, especially from west to east. For us, closer to the coast, I think we're going to be seeing more clouds than sun, a potential for a thunder or a some showers in the morning hours, but we will be clearing into the afternoon. Look at the temperature trends, too. High pressure is building. It's going to be hot 26 by your Sunday, 28 by Wednesday. And through the interior, it's going to be even warmer. So over the 30-degree mark by your Monday. You can see that. So very dry, very hot weather upon us. To the north, though, a very variable weather. We do have that risk of thunder showers in some places closer to the coast. It's about the showers. To the south, I'm thinking the further east you are, the greater the risk of showers. But everybody has the risk of instability, some thunder showers here and there. Closer to Vancouver, more cloud than sun. Your five-day outlook looks like this. Happy Father's Day. It's going to be a beautiful day for many of us. This extends right through the interior as well. And a quick look at your weather window. Beautiful shot from Cloverdale. A big thank you to Rob and Jen for this. And a reminder, cast your vote in the BCAA Play Here contest. There are communities who desperately need your vote right now. Uh, it could transform the lives of families and children in the area. Contest closes June 17th. Go to globalnews.ca slash bc slash contests. All right. Thanks for that, Kasha. Nice to see those warm temperatures. Mm -hmm. Well, if you've been anywhere near social media, you've probably heard about the daredevil raccoon in Minneapolis. Yeah, it's 25-story climb up an office tower, unfolding over several hours, eventually coming to a happy ending early this morning. Move over, Spider-Man. Step aside, Tom Cruise. Meet the world's newest daredevil, NPR Raccoon. No stunt double needed. The furry superhero climbed the UBS Tower in Minnesota, capturing the attention of worried fans. Poor little guy. Making a 23rd floor pit stop for grooming and a nap. Because when you scale a 300-foot building on a windy day, everybody's watching. Minnesota Public Radio started trailing her treacherous journey. Soon, the tiny NPR Raccoon was a worldwide force of unity. Go, buddy, go. She reached the roof safely at 2.30 in the morning. A daredevil raccoon's become an internet sensation. Instant stardom. She's fueled inspiration, t-shirts, memes, reenactments. In the end, what goes up must come down. NPR raccoon released at an undisclosed location with far more than 25 stories to tell. Ron Mott, NBC News. Welcome back, everybody. Kind of bittersweet news for Vancouverites today. Yeah, I guess, you know, they made that decision, so we've yeah. got to live with it. I mean, I think we were talking a bit in the newsroom. Well, maybe they can, you know, eight years a long time. FIFA has been known to change its mind, yeah, yeah. but, you know, Bob Lenarduzzi doesn't think so. Yeah. Bob knows a wee bit more about soccer. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's the way it goes. Thanks, guys. Uh, well, as we've referenced a lot tonight, it's an historic day for Canadian soccer with Canada, the USA, and Mexico winning the right to host the 2026 FIFA Men's World Cup. As of right now, Canada 
Canada will host 10 of the 80 matches, none of which will be in Vancouver. Now, one other note that should be emphasized, Canada has not been guaranteed a spot in the tournament yet as the host. That will come in a later vote. It's hard to believe with an expanded 48-team tournament that Canada would not get a free pass in. But this is FIFA, after all. The 2018 World Cup begins tomorrow with host Russia taking on Saudi Arabia in the opener. That kicks off at 8 a.m. our time. Chanel's been previewing all the groups in Russia in 2018. Today, it's Group C. There isn't a so-called weak team in Group C, but the draw definitely favors the French. While Denmark, Peru and Australia all have solid sides, this should be a race for second as France shouldn't have any trouble finishing in top spot. The French are good enough to win it all with a talented midfield built around Paul Pogba and Nagole Conte. Despite scoring just 18 goals during qualification, up front they are dangerous. Olivier Giroud, Antoine Griezmann and teenage sensation Kylian Mbappe. A semi-final berth may be their best result. Denmark, ranked 12th in the world, needed a playoff to qualify. In 12 matches, the Danes allowed just nine goals. But the most important player on this team is midfielder Christian Eriksen. The Tottenham star scored 11 times during qualification, and his output could be the difference maker as it could come down to goal differential for the Danish to advance out of this group. Peru needed a playoff to get into the final for the first time in 36 years. Now it's a squad that has a good mix of veterans and youth, including rising star Renato Tapia. Peru's strength lies more in the ability to play as a cohesive unit rather than going with a big-name star. They are capable of moving on, but scoring enough goals will determine if they're alive in the knockout stage. It's the Aussies' fourth straight trip to the final, but this one was a bit bumpier. Lackluster performances in qualifying, then a playoff versus Honduras just to get in. Australia does have some rising stars as well, including Aaron Moy, but the Aussies are long shots to advance out of this group. Well, despite having one of the most dynamic defensive players in the league in Solomon Elamimian, the Lions' defense did not have a great 2017. It was a point of focus in the offseason to bring in players who could make big plays on defense, like quarterback sacks, force turnovers, change the momentum of games, and it appears they're on the right track. Second and ten, pressure on, Ross won't get it off, and he is sacked, ball pop loose, Odell Willis has it, and it's a PC Lions touchdown. This is a scene the Lions would like to duplicate as many times as possible this season, getting game-changing plays from their defense, and so far so good. They had three defensive touchdowns in their two preseason games and nearly ten turnovers. From the start of training camp, there's been one message, go after the ball and make something happen. When I say aggressive, it's more so confidence. It's more so understanding that when the ball's in the air, as a defensive player, the ball is ours. When it's when the coach calls a pressure, a, a, um, a blitz, it's time for us to get the quarterback. When the ball's on the ground, it's time for us not to just grab it, but go and score with it. The Lions' biggest emphasis was to improve their pass rush. They were near the bottom of the CFL in sacks and quarterback pressures last year. So they brought in nine-year veteran Odell Willis, who has 86 career sacks and a mouth and motor that never stop. Oh, he brings a lot of life 
to your team. He brings a lot of life to practice, and I think people feed off that. So, you know, his persona is uh, uh, well-documented. His personality uh, is infectious. But, you know, when you look at uh, who our best pass rusher was in training camp, it was uh, Odell Willis by far. Gang, gang. You see what's going on? Willis can talk with the best of them, but he can back it up as well as anybody in the CFL. Heart, effort, I mean, things that, you know, coaches can't, you know, teach or coach. I mean, they can only teach you the fundamentals, but it takes pure effort and heart, you know, to get to the quarterback. At 33, Willis is showing no signs of slowing down, and with his experience, it's like having another coach on the field. Age is one thing, skill set is another thing, and knowing the the little secrets is another thing. And Odell's very good that way. He's good with the young guys. And uh, when you watch him do uh, one-on-ones and you see him uh, perform his art, you know, why wouldn't you listen to him? Odell's going to provide some great sound bites. <laughs> I think so. Saturday oh. against Alouettes, they open. Coming up on ET Canada, the latest on Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's custody battle. Plus, Tiffany Haddish comes clean on who really bit Beyonce. I know. And a look at season two with the cast of Luke Cage. All of that and more coming up at seven right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you. Thanks for that, Cheryl. Well, he's had a number of his own shows, including one in New York, and he's still not old enough for kindergarten. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. He's New Brunswick's art prodigy, uh, prodigy, and wait till you hear how his creations have sold for Global Shelley Steves reports. He's been called an artistic prodigy. His abstract paintings selling for hundreds, even thousands of dollars around the globe. And he's only four years old. When he was around uh, one year old, he started creating amazing abstract compositions on the floor. Baba! Which caught the attention of not only Adwet Kolarkar's parents, but also a local art critic. He thought he has a spark. Granted his first solo show at an art gallery in India at only three years old, Adwet's family moved to Canada in December 2016. Yeah! Hoping to nurture his creativity, his parents converted this upstairs bedroom into their son's creative corner. Watching Adwet work feels rather chaotic, even elementary. He paints with a spatula, even a turkey baster, he calls Quipland. Coated in paint from his head to his tiny toes, Adwet is in his glory. I can see his uh, happiness after the painting session. And she says her son paints with purpose, depicting images born in his young, unbridled imagination. Moon, stars, and of course, his favorite, dinosaurs. His use of color and composition so impressed Canadian and American art experts, Adwet was granted a solo show at the City Art Gallery in St. John, and his work was chosen to be featured at Art Expo New York in April, the youngest artist ever to be featured at both venues. Total of his work has sold around $55,000 till now. Whether or not he'll grow up to be a professional artist, well, that's entirely up to Adwet. Right now, all his mother wants is for her son to have fun, explore his creativity, and, of course, take frequent baths. Huh. He's doing very well. <laughs> Certainly is. I think my kids could do that. Yeah. He needs an Instagram account. Bring out the turkey base. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Style of art is perfect for that age. 
I could see the Triceratops in there, I think, and the other yeah. dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something that resembled very, a moon. Yeah, very very abstract for, for a toddler. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right, one last look at the weather before we go. All right, having a peek. Look at your Father's Day. Nice. Gentlemen across the province, All right. rejoice. It's going to be a nice day for most of us. We do have high pressure building, and look at the temperatures. They're also on the rise. I spared no so expense. A the, different uh, pattern. If you didn't <laughs> like the, the beginning of the month, this is different. All right. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you at 11. I love the Father's Day crowd. <laughs>